Welcome back to DMnastics, the gym for dungeon masters to work out their minds. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Joe Maniac, and my co-host today, I'll let them introduce himself. Hello, hello, I'm that bronze girl. Yes, and I'm very excited that you were able to come back because we're going to talk about episode number 122, D&D in Space, which you were the guest for. Yes, it was a super fun episode. I feel like usually it's like one of those things everyone always gets super excited when they talk about Starjammer. And Mm -hmm. that's what we talked about, which was like super fun and nostalgic. And I loved talking to you guys. It was super fun. And based off of that, I made Diamnastics number 103, Come Sail Away, Come Sail Away With Us. And of course, I immediately linked the Styx song, Come Sail Away, because of course I would. (laughs) <laughs> and in that, I essentially found an old Spelljammer ship, the Hammer Ship, which totally looks like a hammerhead shark, and posted it to the forums and came up with a bunch of questions about that ship that I put to our DMs on the forums, and they had a lot of amazing responses, and we'll highlight a couple of those right now. Which one from the forums did you like? One of my favorite ones was actually... The one, let me find the exact one. It was the one with the Minotaur who breaks his horns. And apparently it was a reference to an episode you guys already did. It was episode 99, Skip Mm -hmm. Skippy Tenderhorn. That's right, yes. And that was from DM Lord Neptune. Yeah, I thought that one was really cute. The Minotaur cleric whose horns broke off in battle not long before joining the crew. Yeah, and I also love that that's just like a random guy. It wasn't even like a special guy on the crew. That's how awesome this boat, ship, however you want to describe it, turned out. Is that even your like red shirt guy it has like a super cool backstory. He invented peanut butter. Yeah. Also, I totally also butchered like, peanut butter, but still, he invented peanut butter and named yeah. it Skippy. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, fantastic reference from Lord Neptune. So the one I was going to point out was the navigator of the ship was actually a Gith Yankee that DM Danielson brought to us. And I think it is a perfect way to possibly introduce that race to your players, because when you think Starjammer and spaceships and everything, the two races are, well, I guess three, two and a half. I don't know. Mind Flayers and the Gith, either Gith Yankee or Gith Zarai. And I think it'd be awesome to have one on a ship and how terrified your players would be because they have no idea what's going to happen next. With those quickly out of the way, we are going to start lifting the mental weights right now. Lifting weights is what I do. Look at me. Lift these weights. Okay, so we'll just go back and forth answering all of those questions that I had set up, if that works for you. Yeah, sounds good. So then I'll kind of bring us in. If you want to mention the first question and then we can just kind of like i said spitball our ideas and that'll do it okay question one how does the ship function i feel like question one is the hardest question it really is (laughs) because i feel like there's not to rehash too much of our previous conversation in the last you know in episode 122 but it's also very important on just how space works in your setting so if we just wanted to go the old school No, I want something really out there. Do you have any ideas that are like way out of left field? (laughs) I actually, I don't know. Okay, this is not my original idea, but it was in a campaign that I played in 
which is sometimes I feel like it's okay to take other people's ideas or make them your own. Always okay. Go on. <laughs> and in our airship, it was levitated by a witch doctor's whale bones. Huh. Yeah. So the whale bones somehow magically kept the ship afloat. And then the witch doctor manipulated them to navigate where we would go. That's super cool. Because it's also, I really like that idea of it just being part of the ship. It's not necessarily an engine or some special item. It's just the ship itself floats and flies. Yeah. And I think if I remember his homebrew setting correctly, basically whales in that universe floated. So we were kind of using the skeletal structure of a whale to make our ship float. And when I saw the hammer ship, that was almost the first thing that I thought of. If you took an existing animal and then modified different parts of its body to turn it into a functional vessel, almost like Battlestar Galactica style. If you watch yeah. the remake where she like kind of gets inside one of the Cylon ships and manipul manipulates it, even though it's biological, I was kind of thinking along those lines. I really like that because I feel like that also essentially builds in conflict because how did you get that ship? Yeah. Did the whale pass away from natural causes or are you out there poaching? And or are there people that are against the idea completely? So, yes, I like that. You could definitely consider it inhumane. And now we get to build a bunch of super cool monsters that can turn into ships. Yeah. Yes. It'd almost be like Monster Hunter. <gasps> you could always, like, go for bigger and crazier beasts. And then oh. as a reward for felling said beast, your party could then use its corpse to make a bigger, grander ship. I don't know. It's oh. kind of out there. It, yeah, that's what I said. I wanted left field. We got left field because now I just env envision like a boat made out of like an ancient red dragon. Exactly. That would be so cool. Oh, that's so good. So do we want to use an ancient red dragon going forward with our ideas? Sure. I like it. Okay. So then what would we name the ship after making it out of an ancient red? I mean, I really want to go with like something super cheesy, not cheesy, but almost feels cliche, something like Ignis or like focusing on fire. Yeah, you could totally do that. You could almost even choose a super stereotypical name for the dragon and then have the ship be named after the dragon or in mm. honor of the dragon. Yep. I was going to say you got to respect the fallen dragon that now is now is your ship. Yeah, you could name it like Breath of Ignis. Or Ooh. Ignis's Fury. Ignis's. That's kind of hard to say. <laughs> Igni? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. Or we could do Breath of Fury. That would work as well. Reminds me of Breath of Fire, which was a great RPG. Yes. And I still think there's no way that we didn't. I mean, obviously our crew figured out how to maintain the breath weapon from the Ancient Red and we use it against other ships. Yeah. Yes. Could be defensive system. Let's see. So now that we kind of got that out of the way, the next thing, and I'm so excited for this, is we get to build the crew for our ship, the Breath of Fury. And the first step is the captain. Any ideas? I think because our ship is run by almost or very magical means, our captain should probably be someone who is maybe versed in those ways. Mm -hmm. So... Probably 
So with that, I'll go, I'll go off of it and then we'll go back and forth. So my thought would be that like, it couldn't or and then again, this is just my thought, but it wouldn't be a wizard. I feel like a wizard would be too methodical to be like the captain of an airship. So I would almost want like a sorcerer so that it's more of that natural affinity for magic, that natural feel for how to make it work rather than like the studied method. Yeah. Yeah. I can agree with that. Maybe even a druid. Oh, that's really good. Mending and wild shape and all those crazy things. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. I, all right. I changed my mind. Druid. Okay. And now our well, now that we have that Druid as a captain, I would say that they are like super focused on anti poaching methods, like natural causes or you know, with the ancient red, probably it was to stop the ancient red from burninating the town. But with you know, I'm trying to think of the words to use, but essentially natural methods for obtaining ships and going out and essentially fighting sky pirates. Yeah. Oh. I can agree with that. Oh, now we have to have the first mate to, or well, I guess the other question is what race would our druid be? Mm. I'd want something imposing. Same. Some cool stuff out of, I mean, I don't think I've really seen or heard of it before, so I'll toss this out there. What if it was a Goliath? Oh. So it's, you know, and still, so you still have that physical aspect because they are a Goliath, but then they still have focused on nature and things like that because, you know, and there are more of a tribal people than um, some of the other races. I think it would be really cool. And of course, very imposing to have this like six to eight foot person that turns into a six to eight foot bear whenever they feel like. Oh, yeah, definitely. That would be amazing. Okay. So then the next question is, who is the first mate to our Goliath Druid? Well, since we have a Goliath Druid, I feel like our first mate, just to counter that, should be smaller and maybe more methodical. Maybe okay. more of like a bookkeeper, more of a people person, somebody that you could assign different tasks to handle the crew or more of like an HR type of person. So... I think he should be someone that's charming and has experience with people, <laughs> like a people person, a used like car it. salesman. So what race were you thinking? I would almost say a human. Okay. And then just like a smaller, I like it, a smaller human. Yeah. And then- Small build, hmm. maybe even a female. Oh, I like it. I was also thinking of a fastball special, no matter what you and what we ended up deciding. And as much as the you know the person hates it, but it makes sense every time they use that tactic. <laughs> that would work. So then, what class? I'm trying to think of all the classes that are really methodical. I mean, we could go. I mean, it could be an interesting mix to have like a druid and a wizard, and then you know, and like you said, that very methodical thinking, reasoning figure. Oh no, but the wizards aren't charismatic. Maybe more of a roguish swashbuckler. Ooh, I like it. Someone who's charismatic and has a way with words, but yes. they're still really well versed in like just how the world works worldwise. Definitely, I like, it. and I also like you bringing up the swashbuckler because the Sword Coast Adventures Guide you can definitely use that and kind of flip it on its head and or rather throw it into the stars because you know a lot of the setting is just taking it out of water and putting it in space. I mean that's oversimplifying it 
to the max, but a lot of the stuff in there could totally work for creating a setting in space. Oh, for sure. It's kind of like the strengths and the weaknesses of the setting is that they kind of did just take nautical environments and put them into space. But because of yep. that, you can draw from things that you already know. Mm-hmm. So we've got, I mean, we've got a few more. So we'll just figure out a couple more that we would want to do mm-hmm. that. Um, well, so there's a few that nobody did on the forum. So let's see. Would you want to do the engineer or the medical staff? Engineer. Okay. So who is our engineer for this ship? I think a goblin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's something about like goblin engineers. I just love it. And yeah, another fun one from Volo's Guide. You can definitely have a character that is a goblin. Uh, or, Plus and then I've I was... been thumbing through um, Starfinder mm-hmm. and the yeah. whole like, the, granted that their setting is different, but the goblins and space thing is just so amusing to me. It would be so good. Because it also like makes me think of that when you go into engineering, if it, you know, and as it were, when you think of spaceships, then it's just this place that only one person understands, and it's our goblin engineer. Like no one else can make heads or tails of anything that's going on in that area. So you have to like completely trust as much as you don't want to this t- this little goblin running running around connecting wires here and there. Oh, it's so good. It would be fun if he was a slightly chaotic character in general like the type of person to jerry-rig something to make it go faster but maybe now the ship has a higher chance of exploding and it could create some fun and scenarios for the players to deal with like oh hey your engineer has approached you with blueprints to make a quote-unquote modification to the engine and it'll make you go x amount faster or it'll make your cannons x amount more powerful but you should know without him mentioning <laughs> it that there might be some side effects to the modifications he making he's making to your to your ship definitely and i want i want them to also have that mentality of it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission definitely so. I would, I mean, I would definitely hold tight to this as an NPC that I could run because constantly, and I, the first thing I thought of was making the breath weapon more powerful, but then the players having to put out the fire that is now on the front of the ship. (laughs) Or like maybe you're running and it's a high speed chase and he manages to get you enough like thrust and speed to get out of the situation, but now you also have to manage this, like, like maybe some of your engines start sparking and randomly electrocuting members of the crew or oh. <laughs> things like that just because he's self-taught. That's, that's how it would be in my mind, that he never really went to school or learned this trade by, have, by being an apprentice, but maybe he was around ships a lot as a kid mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. because of that he just picked it up i almost envision him figuring it out with historically smaller than usual creatures like you and him having almost like a private jet of an owl bear or something crazy like that and like you and you can obviously see that there's an aptitude but then there is an 
an added an attitude problem. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So we kind of hinted at it before, but then the question of what kind of jobs does this crew take? So, I mean, we talked about being anti-poaching, but I don't know if there are any kind of specific quests other than that or you know, specific jobs that they take or what they maybe the other question we could think of is what aren't they willing to do? Well, they could almost be like Jim Corbett. Jim Corbett was this tiger hunter that was really famous and popular in India. And they actually named the tiger reservation there after him. And the reason was because his main job was to aid tiger conservation efforts by specifically taking jobs to kill man-eating tigers. So if a village was, you know, dealing with this problem, usually their solution was to just, just kill all tigers on sight. And so what Jim Corbett would do is he would go to these villages, find and track the man-eaters specifically, put that tiger down, And then the village as a whole would stop hunting the innocent tigers. Oh, I like this. So we could kind of like co-op that or make that our own and have it be this situation where it's like maybe they don't go around killing all creatures, but they specifically take jobs from towns that are in need and are being plagued by some gigantic monstrosity or the other and they go after those in specific that's first off we're totally naming our goliath corbett so that's that's finalized (laughs) um that is such a cool thing because i kind of i mean i totally looked it up right now that's super cool and i really like they could uh, there's essentially just big game hunters for big game that is hunting yeah. If you will. And so they're the kind of people they find out maybe this certain passageway in space travel is being harassed by this creature. So then they go out, they stop it. But then I would also think it'd be really cool because more people want more ships. So then after they've stopped it, they take it back to wherever they call home base so that it could be used for good on top of it. Mm-hmm. Rather, you know, and so like twofold and then definitely stopping those that would poach. I mean, that folded into the whole thing. Yeah. It would almost be like humanely obtained goods. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's such it's such a weird thing to think of the creature, and then as soon as it's passed away, you mean it turns into more of a resource than anything else. And I I love that idea. The bounty I mean, pays itself. Mm-hmm. And you can definitely get into a lot of nuance with that of the moral decision of, is this the right thing to do? Is this not the right thing to do? Are we getting played by someone who's contracted us to do this, but this creature isn't actually doing the thing that they've said. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of really fun things you could do with that mentality and making sure that, you know, essentially forcing your players to really investigate what is the right choice for them to make. Oh yeah. Honestly, I think on that, I, I think on that note, I don't, I don't want to try any harder. That's such an awesome note to end on. And <laughs> so, yeah, I think we've done it. I think we've made a super cool ship with an ancient red dragon entitled the Breath of Fury with Corbett the Goliath Druid at the helm. And they are a humane way to get more ships. It's actually kind of an awesome premise. I want to play this campaign now. 
Yep. <laughs> and they're going to find a ship full of dumb barbarians because that's what we really wanted last time. Oh, my gosh. I remember that. <laughs> Perfect. So my next and most important question for you is where can people go to find you on the Internet? Yeah, of course. So the easiest way to follow my goings on and adventures I get up to is my Twitter. You can follow me at Browns Girl Games. That's my handle. And I'm actually a full-time Twitch streamer. I normally DM campaigns on my Twitch channel. I'm actually working on a couple of mini-series that I'll be launching soon. But for the time being, it's just full-time gaming and my Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash thatbronzegirl. Perfect. And we'll have links to both of those in the show notes. And of course, if you want to get a hold of us, you can always email us at dmnastics at gmail.com or head over to Twitter and follow at dmnastics, where you can find my handle and all the other hosts. And for everything else on our network, head over to blockpartypodcastnetwork.com. But as always, we're going to go to our post-workout cooldown and stretch with the light bulb. Light bulb. So on today's light bulb, I wanted to share something that I've been a big fan of for a long time, and it's not inherently something that I would call role-playing related, but it kind of ties back in a way. It is a podcast series called Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, which I'm sure probably a lot of people listening to this have heard of it is a very long running podcast since 2005 or maybe a little after that it's somewhere somewhere around along those lines it's a very old podcast series and there's only been like 60 episodes or something so it is a very infrequent Mm -hmm. uh series over like the last decade but essentially uh dan carlin's like a former journalist and he goes into these incredibly deep deep, deep, deep dives into very specific topics of history. Uh, and he he gets into every single like nitty gritty aspect that you can think of when it comes to events such as like the Cuban Missile Crisis and stuff. And you may think like, well, why does that have to do anything? It's I actually find it really good perspective. And what I'm trying to come up with role playing plots and motivations for, say, larger entities like a kingdom or a group of bad guys. And it really helps to give a lot of context to real life historical things. And by using those real life situations and and stuff that's happened before, I can kind of take some of those ideas and give some actual real life background and backstory to some villains or even some other, you know, organizations that your heroes might be working for some of the threats they're up against. So I just kind of find it like a really cool historical inspiration for story beats, you know, big overarching plot ideas, that kind of stuff. But on the especially like on the big grand kind of historical scale. Have you ever listened to it, Neil? Yeah, some of it. And the thing is, the I feel like this piece of advice has come up and it's a good one to come up again where our history in this world is so rich and so diverse with so many things, so many small things that could be the catalyst for entire campaigns as soon as you know about them. And so I have listened and it is no small feat to listen to any one and... I I am air quoting the heck out of this episode yeah. because the latest one, as you mentioned, is clocking in at roughly six hours long. 
for a single episode. Yes. So they are they are lengthy endeavors that are not easy to digest <laughs> in a single sitting. But I like to listen to him over like the span of a week or something. And uh, I just they're fascinating. He brings up some really interesting ideas and, and perspectives on historical stuff that is really cool for me to maybe, you know, find ideas for some of my games, which I've done before. So if you're interested in checking it out, if you just search for Hardcore History in any podcast app, or you can go to his website, which is dancarlin.com, D-A-N-C-A-R-L-I-N. He has a couple other shows as well, but I highly recommend Hardcore History specifically. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you can definitely go head over to YouTube as well on his channel and check those out. And then that way it can save your place because that's probably a thing that will need to happen with six hour long episodes. Mm -hmm. But again, another crazy, another crazy easy way is literally take who the topic is about and replace it with someone from your world. The latest episode was the Celtic Holocaust. So if you take that and frame it as a people group in your world and just think of how that interaction would shape your world from what it is or what it could be. So yeah, Dan Carlin, hardcore history. Absolutely amazing. Agreed. Also, I'm terrified. I'm terrified that we told people to go do this because, uh, the 60 times six hours, roughly, that means we just told people here's 300 hours plus of content for you so. it's a great it's, it's the most giving light bulb i think it's ever been created so far <laughs> but with that we're gonna turn out the lights and head out of the gym but before we go i want to implore you the listener to join the forums and take part in these challenges and exercises as well as all of the other amazing conversations being had to do that head over to dungeonmasterblock.freeforums.net and try some DMnastics so your players don't ask, do you even lift? Can I trust you will add your own cardio? Yeah, no, don't put me down for cardio. What are you doing? Horizontal running. 